I have now promptly got my mic here on the Catechism of the Catholic Church and a couple of faith study, faith study leader books. And at least hopefully the audio is a little bit better this time. Um, but yeah, we're back. We're here again. Welcome, friends. Thank you for listening. That's an outro. That's an <laughs> we're wrong part. An My hour's bad. already passed. Oh, no. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, it's all right, though. But uh, welcome, everyone, back to Cultural Confessions. I am Joel. And I'm Mike. And we're, we're back again for a spicy episode. Um, Gross. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is my attempt at trying to use flavorful language, but like, related, I don't yeah. know if half the listeners are going to know what we're talking about in this episode specifically. Um, but just a little bit of a, like a quick life update just from all of us. Um, for those of you who are listening, who um, aren't from Canada, we just actually finished up our, our Thanksgiving long weekend. Um, this is the end of that following week. Um, yeah. So when this comes out, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit later, but um, still in October, still in October. So yeah. it's about the time where the Turkey is just kind of dry and old. Yeah. This way you need like the bone in bone in yeah. stuff. Like I had some, some bone in ham for, for my oh, like Thanksgiving cool. dinner. It is Okay, it's it's not as nice looking when you cut it, but yeah. oh my goodness, it is way it more so tender. Yes, and it just stays moist when you get it into the slow cooker. It's just fantastic. Yeah. So I've been snacking on that still, and it's still good to this day. Yeah. Although you're dealing with cutting off more fat, but honestly, I do not care. It's perfect the way. Trade off is. is so worth it. Yeah. Hundred percent. But Mike, tell me how how do you uh, how do you fare on uh, on Thanksgiving? I know I had nothing but just like you know, stuff from my brother's birthday at the time, which he was down for as well. Yeah. Uh, we had some chocolate cake and the usual like Thanksgiving fair, your stuffing, yeah. your ham, your, your turkey, um, and then uh, some fancy desserts. But uh, how was how was your Thanksgiving? It's funny because Thanksgiving is always a time when my family tries to eat like a Canadian. None of us really know what that means. So it's like turkey, potatoes, pancit, question mark, soju, sake, for sure, for sure. Soju and sake. That's... Yeah. Uh, Nice combination. So we have the one or two classic like Thanksgiving pears and then it's just Filipino food. It's amazing. So like was there anything special like uh like dish wise that you made that was like very Filipino or uh we made lumpia, which is like it's a it's a spring roll, basically. A um, that was pretty good. <laughs> We've been eating that and stuffing it with turkey for the past like couple days, but oh, we'll not say no to turkey huge fan. yeah 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 I'd, I'd imagine so yeah. um a lot of people are divided on turkey and i don't get it like it's yeah. delicious. it's it's a thing it's yeah. it's a thing well even for 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 that though um i think that when it comes down to it, it's about the family it's about oh, sure. time again and, and it's one of those things that you know, we have our, our Thanksgiving traditions, but like this is an interesting Thanksgiving for one, given that 
well, for, for a lot of families, I imagine you're just eating with your immediate folks yeah. and siblings or whoever else is in the house with you. And for those who are living alone, you don't really get to go out as much or if that's the, the ideal case. Um, so is this a little weird? This is like the, this is the first in our lifetime. First and, pandemic uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Although, to be honest, and I don't, I don't mean to um, for the, the you know, disparaging uh, for any disparaging comments towards like having, you know, a family over and really getting to kind of see them and whatnot. But it's nice because it was only the four of us. We had our fill. We had plenty left over. It was quiet. We didn't have to clean up after anyone. It was it was kind of nice. Yeah. Quiet, quiet Thanksgiving <laughs> with, the, uh, with the family. Yeah. And it's not very often we get to have like proper family dinners anymore. Like everyone's just doing dinner theater. So yeah. it is what oh, it is. Oh, your brother moved out. So yeah, he's, he's, he's out in Toronto. So it's like having him come down is nice for a change of pace for a couple of yeah. days. So did he yeah. bring like Tupperwares of food back oh, home? Oh, yeah. We actually like bought sure. them at the store, at the grocery store to like give okay. him to keep because it's just, like you're not bringing this back to us. So yeah. <laughs> Throw in the mashed potatoes. We know he loves it. Ham, mashed potatoes, oh, so good. I think actually, wait, did we, I think we kept the mashed potatoes from him. From him. He, we, we told him as some excuse there wasn't enough. So we just kind of like <laughs> didn't give him any. And I think he was a little bit sad at that because that's uh, literally what he eats the most. Yeah. Um, out of anyone in my entire family, he'll eat the most. Uh, so a little, uh, bit, a little bit sad, but you know. Fun potato related stories because of course I have one. But like fun fact, I was in culinary school for a year. <laughs> and we would end really late and I'd have like bags of food because we didn't want to waste anything we cooked. So there was one night, it was like midnight. I was taking the go bus home from Toronto and I was just so hungry because two hours of straight cooking being stressed as hell. You don't really have time to snack on anything other than to like taste, make sure it's good. So I had a Ziploc bag full of mashed potatoes and I'm like, I want to eat these potatoes. What's the logical thing to do? Take out a spoon. No, I don't have one of those. So I rip off the corner of the bag and then just kind of like squeeze it <laughs> into oh. my mouth oh. <laughs> on the go bus. Did you get any weird looks? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because there's a sweaty <laughs> Filipino dude just like funneling potato into his mouth at like midnight. Of course, I got weird looks. It was delicious. <laughs> so much butter. Oh, anyway. oh, oh well. I think that's a that's a perfect uh, <laughs> not so perfect <laughs> transition. But uh, let's 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 jump into let's jump into uh, to our first segment, Barna Bros. Here we are. We're at Barna Bros. Barna Bros is the segment in which we talk about that uh the things that bring out that pure dude energy that god has called us with and uh to talk about the things that uh everyone wants to hear and but contrary contrary to that <laughs> we're gonna talk about things that probably a lot of people either don't care about or don't know about or um just uh don't seem to get a whole lot of light in the catholic scene listen man fountain pens are coming back and uh we are we're pioneers we're forerunners of the movement mm -hmm. all of the friends out there with fountain pens you are seen you are validated we're here for you so for context around uh, <laughs> rose this this week we're gonna be talking about just some general interests that we have kind of as as the nerds that we are and these again these are some of the things that of course we 
you know, what bonded over. And you've heard some of this already. Um, I think we've mentioned like fountain pens a bunch of times already, but like, I think this is just a time to like bring it out and be like, okay, here's, here's why we're doing this and why we like it so much. Just so everyone is like familiar if it ever comes up again uh, for, you know, any reason. But yeah, the, I have uh, quite a few pens already in my collection. Uh, I'm looking to get more at some point, but I think right now I just, I don't use them enough for that. So I'm trying yeah. to be um, economical in the way of like not geeking out and just buying a bunch. Because that is such a temptation. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What, what, what's, uh, do you have, if you're, do you have one like around you right now? Uh, no, they're all in my bedroom and I'd rather not run upstairs because I will be wheezing when I get back and no one wants to hear me breathe into a mic. But these days I'm still using the um, Jin Hao pen pretty consistently, but I also have like a mini JR Ben just in case, always um, ready to go. Gotcha. Wait, oh, story for that one. So the, the general pen that I, I just kind of showed off, I bought in a set of two yeah. and I bought the second one. Uh, it was all Christmas themed. So I have the green one and I gave Mike the red one as like a Christmas gift. Cause I thought, huh, for the fact that we're like the same person and we love fountain pens. And that was like the first thing we really bonded over. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this makes a lot of sense. So I think a very quintessential bro gift. That's okay. Right. This is yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. See, just uh, common gift giving. Yeah. in the spirit of christmas last year so you gave me a fountain pen i gave him my weird obsession for rosary making so even creative yeah. Yeah. see it's a win-win <laughs> but even for like the, the fountain pen like like fad like i got into it like um just after my first year um first year in university and um it started off with like all really cool like first time pen i had ordered in from the states shipping sucked oh yeah um, but um and then it just became that thing i just always had with me i'd write my notes in it which was terrible because the paper we use in like north america is just not good it's not good and it costs so much money for the good stuff so i've just had to like try and tweak everything to make sure it's like a finer tip or whatnot to get it to work but but yeah we write with these complicated things because to be honest, fountain pens are a little bit finicky at times and require like manual tuning and whatnot. Yeah. You're working with metal instead of just a ballpoint, but it feels there's more to it. Yeah. yeah. We're both the, um, we use them because we like the feel, you know, like exactly. Why do we like comfy clothes and pajamas and like stuff that like, honestly might seem excessive, but we still end up like using them anyway, because well, it just is nice to have. Yeah. It's kind of like that. And, you know, you're not wasting and throwing these things away or losing them because you actually put some money into caring for them. So I think that's and it's not just a disposable thing, right? Like, yeah, you have to put in the maintenance. You have to make sure you're using the proper ink or life. Yeah. It's great. You can just use them whenever and yeah. have them like wherever there's different ones for different purposes. It's all it's all fantastic. <laughs> I think I like the ritual around it because like I have my journaling pen. I have my daily carry pen. I have my weird insight at three in the morning on a religious topic that no one cares about fountain pen ready to go mm -hmm. and like it's one of those things where it's something you have to take care of there's a ritual behind it um you it's not it's not this disposable thing that we're kind of used to these days um, because no one no one really cares about a big pen that's just it's made yeah. to be disposed but when you drop 16 dollars <laughs> on a pen and another $16 on shipping and handling because Goulet Pens is far away and shipping sucks. You make sure you know where it is at all times. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is the sad part. And, it, you know, and, and the, the hobby gets even more confusing when you get into ink because ink is its own beast. And I, <laughs> that, I keep, I keep to my archival links. I like my permanent waterproof stuff. You know, I need to be, have my noodlers. Noodlers ink is just like that stuff does not come off. I have my heart of darkness ink always ready to go when I'm writing and stuff. That stuff lasts forever. I've gotten the stuff wet. I've gotten it like stuck in the sun for a while. Does not fade, does not peel, nothing. The worst it'll do is bleed through the page. But then again, that's just kind of. That's just a sign you have weak paper. Yeah, weak paper game. It's like. <laughs> so. Gross HP printer paper, weak. Uh, I know, I know. Watchy <laughs> and feathery and whatnot. It just uh, it doesn't look great. But like, then you get that good cardstock and you can pin that letter to a special someone. Uh, that's a story that I'm not going to get into, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. At some point, <laughs> you know, to your, to your friends, Christmas cards, birthday cards, writing it with a fountain pen in your best cursive, I think just is a special kind of gift. Um, yeah. I remember like multiple occasions now where I've like penned my own personal, like birthday card or farewell card to somebody, yeah. um, and seal it. You know, we as a part of that fad, we also go for that pen, that ink, stationery, and of course wax seals because wax seals of course. all pizzazz to a nice letter. You know, those little <laughs> envelopes, like those little like envelope invitation cards, like I'll use those. Yeah. And it just feels so nice that the fact that you, you put in the effort into the words that you say, and all you have to make it look real nice at the end of it is some fancy cursive and a wax seal with your initials on it. Like and cheesy as hell content. Oh, it's cheesy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so cheesy. But at the same time. We love it. Yeah. It's the ritual around it again. Yeah. You know, yeah. we kind of like, we can of course tone that down, but it's like, we're not, we're not being genuine enough with, uh, with who we are. We're yeah. dramatic people and we love to surprise. So this is just one of the ways we're doing that. Dramatic us. What? No. Yeah. Well, I can't even joke about that. Yeah. And so <laughs> the question can kind of come up with like, okay, why are you using these gaudy things? Just use a big pen and it'd be all the same. But I've actually been able to like, see the reaction of people's faces of getting like that handmade card yeah it's just it hits different <laughs> it, just, it just hits different than when you have someone handing you like a pre-made box store card yeah i mean it's cool and like you appreciate it but yeah but it's like that's something you hang on your wall you know yeah. and i'm not saying that because that's what someone you know does but if i got something like that i'd want to hang on to it oh yeah every day have you ever gotten the i don't want to break the seal so i'm never opening the card Response. Yeah, I got <laughs> but I'm like, really, it's cheap wax. Just go for it. Yeah. Funny because shipping costs more than the wax some of the time. Oh, right. Like, see, this is this is the, the hard part of, of luxury fine writing goods. They're always so expensive. Yeah. We endeavor for our craft. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of the point of like all these random passions people are getting to. It's not so much that people. Well, people care about the object itself, but it's it's the culture around it. Like, um. People don't really bat an eye these days when someone has a three, four hundred dollar pair of Jordans um, or a fancy watch. Right. Yep. It's it's nice. It's something to invest in, it's something you can even like hand on in the future. It's but, those things that you pay the most for yeah. that you really care about. And I think that's the case with just about anybody who invests like their car, their computer, everything like that. They have to carry around with because I know it's a big sum to try and replace that. If you're yeah. just really nilly with it. And, you know, some people still are. I myself can be kind of clumsy with things that are expensive to me. Um, 
when we put value in something and sometimes monetary value does have a weight in that, in that fact, and like it factors in, of course, um, we still find that the things that really that you spend money on, you care about, like how many people can say that, I think that nice suit they have, they never want to wear it because it's, well, it's important. But when you do use it, you know, it's that it's important. You want to take care of, you don't want to scuff the thing. And yeah. And if your friends know that that's your nice suit and you're wearing it to whatever event you you were invited to then like, it's a way of honoring someone. Right? Exactly. And that's kind of where we put importance into things. Cause it doesn't have any monetary value per se. Um, like for example, you know, the, the handmade rosaries that we've done together, Mike, like these, yeah, these are the things that you know, I cherish. Cause I'm like, if it comes with me everywhere and I put so much time into it, I want to care for it. And of course, when you let the wear and tear kind of peek into certain things, say for example, your you know, our nice fountain pens. Like if, you know, we get enough use out of them, sure, they wear down over time, but it kind of adds more endearment to things. It's like the scars that they accrue over time just happen. Exactly. To, they come to add value to it in a sentimental value. Yeah. It's a story. Yeah, it's a story. Yeah. Um, now, nowadays, it's all like, okay, well, the thing that you had that was nice and fancy for like a year, now just, you know, it's getting a little scuffed up. Oh, you cracked it? Ah, it's fine. Switch that out, get a new one. Yeah it's so easy with our throwaway culture to kind of do that. And so, you know, what are the things that we value at the end of the day? Cause we cherish our phones, but we're so quick to replace them in like a year. Yeah. But I think the rosie is a good example because I'm looking at it right now and I'm thinking this is going to last me a long time. And of course it's the dramatic part of me thinking, but I can't wait to be like an 80 year old man and just hand this on to a grandson and be like, take this, my child carry on the legacy and it's just it's passing on the story it's passing on the narrative it's it's a way of connecting with people that's it's tangible right it's nice. and even like other other things like um like let's say if i had to like ask like okay well you know if you had to compare like interests and hobbies and you have like okay well there's there's pens and there's like the stationary aspect of things like what levels up to that because i know we have like like we have multiple things we can kind of say, okay, that's, that's an important hobby of mine. I spend time on that. Yeah. And it depends. We just kind of use them in our daily lives. So it kind of falls away. But like when we spend time on things like our hobbies or, you know, pastimes, like heck we've been in quarantine for long enough. I think we've probably delved enough hours into our hobbies to kind of, you know, spend time and whatnot. You know, if we're not in prayer or um, doing stuff for work or, or whatnot, mm-hmm. what are we, what, how are we spending our time? So uh, quarantine, I've slowly been getting back into gaming. Uh, what was my first obsession? Oh, I was dipping back into Persona 5, which oh, was dangerous. Nice. Oh, that was so dangerous. First run through easily 120 hours in like two weeks. And for those, of you, for those who don't understand what Persona is, me being one of them, because I, I'm just not, I don't know that series. I just hear a lot about it on the internet. It's, uh, it's a JRPG, a Japanese RPG, where... Uh, you play as a bunch of angsty high schoolers that invade people's hearts and change their desires because they're evil. Oh, that's what the premise is. Okay, yeah. I was never fully okay, like knowing of what what was actually going on. Yeah, because I've learned that I'm not that big into like competitive gaming, but RPGs are my thing. Before yeah, it was Persona, yeah. it was Final Fantasy. I played so many final, so much Final Fantasy. And these days, it's Genshin Impact. 
Yes, that is that is our, our recent obsession. So I stumbled across this game, which had been like, okay, most like YouTubers I watch who are like gaming related because I'm I'm really like on YouTube all the time. It's kind of, a, it's, a, it's a bad habit. I need to get off of it off more often than not. But I end up spending like hours of my day kind of in between tasks, just being on it. And all the commentary for commentators for like different things um, have always been like sponsored by like different like mobile games yeah. and this one came up every now and again but i never really gave it much like you know oh it's just another one of those mobile gotcha games which basically just rely on like oh just spend money and you can randomly gamble for the potential of getting new characters new weapons all that fun stuff and i'm just like not for me no i'm not gonna get into this ever and then you know even the ads passed by i'm like hey it's whatever and then i start seeing stuff on my youtube recommended for it and i'm like okay what huh. is this game and it's like you know, it's being like quoted as like a Breath of the Wild clone. Uh, for those of you who know what Legend of Zelda is, like, op- like it's the open world Legend of Zelda game, which is just like you adventure around and you know go into dungeons and explore. And there's always like a really good story to it and whatnot. But like, yeah. but like as Zelda games go, and I'm like, okay, well, I've never played that game all the way through. I kind of have an idea of what it is. But when they said this game is like of the same kind of caliber and it's free to play, my Ooh. head started turning. Like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> Long story short, basically, I guess I got it. Started playing it and realized, oh, oh, this is really fun. In the JRPG like <laughs> style of game with like yeah. some of the, like the Zelda mechanics I love, plus Breath of the Wild mechanics, which also were really fun to use. And then adding these this new layer to it definitely turned it away from being a clone. Now, before I get into like game commentary, basically, like because I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that tangent if if I don't stop myself. <laughs> um i get mike on the on this game i get all my friends on this game i'm like guys it's free to play download it it's not that much get it and i just fell in love with it it's so fast you know the story um it's made by um a chinese tech company which um which when i look at like the like the quality and the detail and all of this i'm just like i'm dumbfounded by the fact that like you know big names in the in, in the uh, the chinese game industry are really starting to pick up on like their yeah. own independent games and this is just one of them that just like hit home immediately for me. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, more specifically, like the soundtrack, I, like I, I'm big on soundtracks and games and movies. It's like most of the music that I end up listening to um, is like OST based orchestral music, ambiance, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that sold me besides like the lovable characters and how they interacted and the fact that the game could be played with voice acting from four different languages, which one of which is one I'm learning, trying to pick up my Mandarin. So I thought, hey, the game was made by a Chinese company. Of course, they're going to have really good voice acting for Chinese. And I was right. Well, so, we'll back up a quick second. You can't mention that you speak Chinese and not flex quickly. I'm not. I can't, I can't flex on it yet. I'm really, okay. really just a beginner. And if I try and like do a semi demo right now, I'm just going to get like roasted because I'm oh, not great. Sure. So I'm going to hold off on that. But basically, that soundtrack has been playing during my holy hour for like a solid okay. two weeks, and I can't get it out. It, yeah. it just—it's so well performed and like it hits those like good notes of of calm flow mixed with like orchestral crescendos during like more of the intense soundtracks, which fit really well when you're reading through parts of scriptures, such as the Acts, when things get really fun with Paul. <laughs> And I just find it as like a fun thing to do is just put on epic music while I'm reading through Paul's like Paul's like adventures, unfortunate events, <laughs> unfortunate events, as well as the the, the speeches like while he's yeah. doing those like speeches on like in Athens, 
like I just put I that music's playing in the background in my head and I'm just like this is so much more engaging. <laughs> scripture is coming alive. Wow. Scripture needs a soundtrack, basically. Yeah, scripture needs a soundtrack. Howard Shore, get on it. Yeah. Do you but, find it weird that you're listening to like anime music when you're reflecting on scripture? Because I love doing that. I don't know if it's everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. And yeah, because I this is that's that's the elephant in the room that I've I've missed is yeah, Kenshin <laughs> Impact is an anime game, if you want to kind of put it like that. Um, very much so. <laughs> yes, very much so on every conceivable level. And yeah, we're gonna make our we're making our confessions now. This is the this is the big cultural confession for us. <laughs> what would you what would you what would you call it then? Like what? Because Mike and I both really enjoy these kind of like the games. I think that kind yeah. of the the industry. Um, what's the word? Are we gonna say like either explain ourselves? Because. There's the colloquial term we can use for this, or we can use the more official term. We're fans of anime, basically. We're fans of, of yeah, anime, anime yeah. culture, which is very prevalent on the internet. And like in the last 10 years, like, um, it's really blown up. around like our age and happens to know what we're talking about. Um, they'll know like where we're going with this, but like in the last 10 years, anime has become so mainstream or at least more mainstream than it has been that it's just easier to come up in casual conversation than maybe like, I don't know, like fountain pens. Well, and yeah, definitely more than fountain pens, but in the last 10 years, it's definitely picked up. Like yeah. people in the mainstream just know it and they're like, this is cool. There are a couple of cool ones, yeah. but like, I'm not like one of those people speaking to like us who are like really <laughs> into the culture and all the, like the, the inside jokes and whatnot. And unfortunately the, um, the parts of it, I'd say that maybe turn a lot of people off. Um, let's be honest. It's, it's kind of gross at times. Not going to lie. Yeah. Anything on the internet nowadays can go that far that it has to get like cordoned off into the deep web because no one should be able to see what that comes out of that. <laughs> it's it's an argument that really is constantly pulled up on this kind of this fandom. Um, yes, it's gotten to the point of like where the the word degeneracy is used a lot. Um, it's definitely not an appropriate term, especially for anyone who like hasn't heard it being used in that form. The way I guess the word desecrate comes to mind, but I'm not sure if that's like really fair. It's it's a bit it's a bit harsh, but it's, yeah, it depends on like the intention that was made. Like when yeah. it comes to like art media, like if it's meant for that purpose, like okay, well that was the main intention that was put forward. Yeah, um, but if it wasn't, and then someone decides to change it, that's their artistic freedom. But then this can get into a big discussion about artistic freedom and all that fun stuff. I lived through the height of DeviantArt and Tumblr, so yeah. Yeah, if anyone has, has, has um, kind of picked through parts of like those platforms, you'll probably see it. And if you're on like Instagram, it's almost for certain that if you go to your search options, at some point, you're going to see like forms of like anime style art in your in, in like the random pics that show up when you're searching for stuff. It's going to show up and you see on people's profile pics, it's everywhere now. So it's hard to turn. It's hard to introduce people into anime because it gets such a bad reputation of being purely sexual. Yeah. And that's the problem, I think, with. um, With it and, of course, having people come to appreciate it for what it is. And, you know, I met people who were like, you know, who kind of are both and in the way where they can they accept all of it um, in the way where all the like the artsy fartsy style like productions whether that's movies or the tv shows that come out 
um, like those kind of things and even games, for example, like they're all over the ones that are really like, um, edifying in their message, whether you're talking about like a silent voice, your name, like romance, like big topics, like bullying, like those kind of things that come up and stuff. Like you can show that to your mom and be like, look how amazing this is. Yeah. And then they'll give you the response of like, oh, that was nice. It was a good movie. And then you're just like, but wait, you didn't get all the inside, the cool like transitions. And uh, and then here the, art, the arts major just came out in me. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, it's one of those like, like any medium, when anime is done well, it is, it's such a beautiful kind of form of expression. Your name was such a good example. The story yeah. was good. Production was good. The music was good. It was one of those movies that broke into mainstream media almost. Um, and for good reason, because it was absolutely stunning. One of those movies you can watch like 50 times and still take something new away every time. Yep. And there's still so many of those even that were in the past that have gotten a lot of attention. Like, um, like if you talk about any of the Ghibli films, like Studio Ghibli, and now that my name might ring a bell to a lot of people, but if they've heard of like Spirited Away or they've heard about The Secret World of Arietti or like um, any of those films, uh, Castle in the Sky, like all yeah. those things, you may have heard them through like the 90s. Think of it like, I don't want to say like the Disney of Japan, but like for like those early 90s films that came out and even before then, Ghibli was doing things like that. But again, for the Japanese scene, it was done yeah. just fantastic all, all around the board. And I'm still slowly getting into their work as well. Yeah. But yeah, anime has become uh, even uh, actually around the same time as um, me getting into fountain pens. Um, it is a form of obsession, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> where you just you delve into it like like all oh, this stuff is like really cool and then you kind of get yourself into the rabbit hole and you're like oh okay I've gotten to that part and then you have to start asking yourself questions um, and there's a lot of moral questions that come up especially since like uh, what, what, I, and still since like me coming like back into like full communion with the church and being like you know so for Christ um, I had to ask myself those questions of like shoot what, 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 do, I, what do I reconcile this with um, can I reconcile it? Because there's so much toxicity in, in different communities on the internet. It's like, can you really avoid it? And the question for us today to answer is, are we allowed to maintain the things that we enjoy while having them still be worldly? And in some form, some forms be things that may not be quite as, um, spiritually inspired is the word i'll use so okay specifically with like genshin impact or anime culture how do you love and appreciate anime culture when um like waifu wars are such a prominent part of the culture like is that something you can <laughs> like can you even include that or can you engage in that kind of discussion as a catholic actually before we jump into that joel how would you describe a waifu so a, a waifu, if you if you were to put the word technically, um, is a mispronunciation of the word wife, the English word for wife in like a Japanese accent, which is used to describe a a character or a character, let's say, from um, any form of media in that kind of fandom or that in, in this you know media style that is um, basically wife material, um, basically like your favorite or like you know, a personal endearment to said character, um, in a very specified way. Um, and usually you're only allowed one per like work, or if you want to be specific, you can kind of, you know, do whatever the word's not so quite as like codified, 
But basically, it's like if you're talking about any specific piece of work or a show or whatnot, you just say, OK, well, who is who is your best waifu? And basically kind of fight over who is who is the best character, basically, um, in terms of like basically all factors you'd have. And I'm not sure if that really kind of got the message across, but like, yeah, that's a good way of summarizing yeah, it. That's, that's basically what it is. Like waifu is almost a catch-all term for favorite character. Of course, it gets caught into this weird kind of rhetoric of. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it, actually. Yeah, because in a game, you can fight, you know, nerds can fight hypothetically to the ends. Yeah, like we can fight all night long about why Rem is superior to Amelia, but. Mm, I want to fight you on that one to the bitter end, and you know it. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Let it be said. See how it is. <laughs> the question here is. How are we discerning this? Yeah. And so we're going to move into our next segment, Discernment Corner. Can you believe we're seriously talking about waifu culture on a Catholic podcast and trying to reconcile it with the faith? This mm. is uncharted territory. Hold up. Okay. One thing. One thing. Yes. Caveat. Disclaimer. Yes. What we're about to say here is not trying to, in, one, in any way, be professional or authoritative on this. This is our personal opinions on all this. Oh, absolutely. And if you think that yeah. we're being just really weird and stuff, and you just want to turn this off right now, you are free to do so. But I encourage you to listen to the end so we can yeah. we can maybe come to a conclusion on these big questions because I don't think a lot of people have talked about anime in the aspect of um, what it means to be Catholic. Um, I remember actually, and this one of the reasons I was inspired to actually kind of um, maybe do a podcast like this when we first kind of thought of it is I was listening to, wow, surprise, clerically speaking, on a drive home. And I think it was one of their early shows. They mentioned it, like Father Anthony mentions it, like offhand, like, oh, ha- haven't you seen like any anime? And I'm like, wait a minute, hold up a second. This guy watches it. He understands and he's a priest. Now it's okay. Now I can use it. So. Yeah. That was my, that was my initial, um, yeah, initial like reaction to like, okay, now I know we can talk about this because it's come up. Um, I really want one day if we can ever get them on to talk about, talk about anime culture with, with please, please, priests, please. If we have any listeners out there that can hook us up with clerically speaking so we can talk about waifus with them, please make it happen. This is, this is the content that the internet needs right now. Yes. The con- internet, internet needs this content. And also the question needs to be asked. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, discernment corner, as we know, this is the segment in which we're going to focus on the struggles of being a modern Catholic and how to live a Catholic life in these times. In well, modern, postmodern, postpostmodern, whatever era we're in, words, yeah. whatever era we're in, everything's so relative now. So I yeah. guess we can use whatever term we like, right? Yeah, but for now, life that was a minor hot take, but we'll get booked into <laughs> that at some other some other point in time. Pretty yeah. soon, hopefully, <laughs> or at us because discussions are fun. One yeah, no, that works too. Because we have social media now, which is yes. barren as heck. But follow us, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Cultural Confessions, Cultural Confessions, Mike, Mike. Yes. So, should we be ashamed of the worldly things that we like as Catholics? Uh, this is going to be one of those Catholic both and questions. <laughs> Um, where we don't really take a stand. Actually, no, we do. Um, short answer. No, I don't think so. 
like obviously as long as intention is okay because you can abuse basically anything um Mm -hmm. but if i'm if i'm finding comfort and enjoyment in spending some time with friends playing genshin impact that's that's perfectly fine of course you can get obsessive with it and it can be five in the morning and you might have work tomorrow and you should probably turn this game off because it's consuming your life and that's when it gets a bit problematic but i'm hearing a cry for help (laughs) please please help i can't help you because i'm also obsessed i'm so sorry i'm so sleepy uh jokes aside because we are i don't think we've been no as much as we joke about it we've not been on that much recently no no life yeah. seems to get in the way of all these fun things right <sighs> but to answer the question like it's it's like anything and anything in moderation um intention is important when we're talking about gaming like as long as it's not an actual addiction then yeah go for it Especially now that it's or now that quarantine is really starting to take root again in culture, in our society. It's one of the only ways left that we have to connect with people other than like just, I don't know, video calls, which are great and people need to do that. But hanging out and doing an activity with someone is different and we need to do more of that. So I guess the follow up question to to it is if the activity is in and of itself sinful, does that not make it okay anymore? The internet culture, what we I've, I've kind of described previously of like anything can be perverted and corrupted in a way that like it gets in the way. And so like for the people who are like our age, you probably heard of like rule 34 or those kind of things that like oh, good Lord. those rules that are out there and that, can well ruin just about anything Love for someone who has like a wholesome aspect of something. Nope. Someone can completely just turn it into an absolute mess where you can just, you just know it was made and people just know it's, it was made to be either like in a way made, distorted and destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Distorted and destroyed in a way that like ruins the dignity of the work that was there or was done kind of on a joke or it's a prank or kind of just, it's a different artist interpretation. It's a different expression of the same art. That excuse gets can get old if oh, if yeah. used if overused, and that's the thing. Something I think about at the top of my head is like that's something you could use, or just people don't care and they just want yeah. to do it because think it's funny. So Hayato Miyazaki, um, like the creative genius behind a lot of those old Ghibli movies, actually really doesn't like anime for that specific reason because anime's turn it's become one of those like oh it's it's. it's uh, my frustration is coming out because I love anime. But it can get gross. But isn't it just a Japanese cartoon? Doesn't that make you like a kid? Huh? The CF words. Kill la kill. Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. And yeah, when when I was younger, when I wasn't as like on fire for the faith, um, I would watch whatever was popular at the time. And most of the time, what was popular was weird and gross. That's that's the easy way of describing it. And like, I'm thinking of a lot of the old shows that I, I was really into at the time, like Gurren Lagann was. I really enjoyed that show when I first saw it. The fan service looking back was a bit much. And yeah. a fan service for anyone who doesn't know is basically just when you sexualize a character 
for no reason other than to sexualize the character. Like there's no the plot fans. significance. Yeah, it's for the fans. And I I can't do it anymore, man. Like if a show relies on fan service, I just I just shut it off. I can't do it. Which is hard these days because so many shows rely on fan service, but I think it's getting better, actually. Like Violet Evergarden. First thing oh, okay, mind. yeah, yeah. Anyone who has yeah. Netflix, watch that show. Just watch it. And like, preferably in the original Japanese, if you can, but that just be coming out as like yeah. a, a, a fan, an elitist, I guess. Uh, you can use the term, whatever. Anime but elitist. But. Anime elitist. Uh, but you can um, watch however you like it, if you feel yeah. more comfortable that way. But I always find that the, uh, the subs are better. And I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. Yeah. We will fight about that it's another time. Almost, it's almost like reading or listening to a piece of work in the original language it was meant to be written That's and fair. or said in yeah. is better. Wow. I actually like listening um, to a show twice in English and Japanese just because emphasis is so different that it almost changes the show a little bit. <laughs> Um, but Violet Evergarden, good example of a show that's beautiful, well-produced, zero fan service. Um, what's another one? Uh, Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer has a bit, but only enough so that it's, it still remains wholesome. Yeah. Like it's fan service, but it's not sexual. Yes, it's not yeah. overt. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it can't go down that way at some point down the line. It's only it's still early in this production, but from what we've seen so far, pretty yeah. darn good. Ooh. Like, it can still tell a compelling story and not have to yeah. lure you in based on fan service. So, this is me being an anime elitist now, but I read the manga, which means I'm better than you, obviously. <laughs> wow. But yeah, zero fan service, and it's amazing. The fact that I can enjoy a piece of art and not have to worry about, like, my parents looking over my shoulder, because that's happened a couple of times when I'm reading manga in class because I'm not paying attention. And I remember one time when I was at U of T reading a manga in class and it got a little bit spicy out of nowhere and the guy behind me just goes oh hentai <laughs> everyone turns around i'm like i want to evaporate i hate it here goodbye uh yep uh yeah the stigma towards anime was huge even when i was in high school like yeah. there would be that one group like i was i just stayed away from it because like I knew my brother was into it at the time when like I was still like going through high school and whatnot, even before then. Um, and I had grown up with it, like on like, like Saturday morning and night, like Friday night cartoons, like that was it. Like at late at night, it was the anime that came on and I was like, yes, this is hype. So I would watch some of it. Um, I remember kind of getting into Naruto. Like at first I thought it was like the coolest thing. Of course you watch the dub when you're, when you're watching it on like, you know, YTV or anything like that. For those of you who were young enough to use cable television and, anime but like basically that was how i started into it and i was like huh this is pretty fun but as you grow up you kind of get away from that and in high school it just the groups of people who you'd see that were like known as um i guess the derogatory term that is sort of used for people who like anime is weeb tread carefully my friend i was one in the anime club back in the day yes (laughs) they called me choji no Yeah, like, and it was it was a problem where like I was struck between like wanting to be included in that and not wanting to be included in that. At the time, I wasn't really into it, so it it, it didn't cross my mind at all. Um, so it was kind of like, hey, it's whatever. But like, at one point, and I think this is this is the turning point for a lot of things. Um, 
it, one specific show became very popular in the mainstream media and everybody was raving about it um, and how it was on this interesting new platform that was called Netflix that everybody was getting. Mm-hmm. This is like circa 2014, 2015. Oh, your gateway anime. Perfect. Which was it? Well, I would say like when I was younger, of course, I watched like some of the classics like Naruto, Inuyasha, yeah. like those those shows. I watched those. Yes. Dragon Ball. Like I was I was into those. Yeah. And of course, I never watched them in order because I was following based on the, the show schedule. But the one that got me, and I think even my friends who were like, who never even talked about it before, started talking about it. And I was like, okay, um, let's give this a try was Attack on Titan. And I think mm-hmm. maybe a lot of people, yes, everyone knew about Attack on Titan and why it just blew up back in like 2013-ish time. Um, and so it just got bigger like as the years went on. And I think that's how everyone got the entryway in. And you'll see commentators like, and those who are in the community be like, yeah, this was the gateway anime for a lot of people. Yeah. And for me, it was. I watched it and loved it. And then it never just moved to the next thing. It never kind of moved me into it. It was only after um my first year that i kind of started wandering again back into old hobbies and i was like man i haven't seen naruto in a long time and so i rewatched the entire series and that was about how i got back into it so skip by like four or five years from that point yeah. and i started getting back into it again in university and now it was a problem i have a spreadsheet Can yes. i read you how many how many on it's extensive yeah. it's mind-blowing actually i have i have i've watched too many Yes. I haven't completed all of them, of course. Like the main yeah. these classics I just have not gotten to the end of. Yeah. But like I'm 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 surpassing two hundred. Either shows, movies, and or like special episodes. It's it a tear to my weeb heart. <laughs> yes. And for those of you who don't know before, yeah, we kinda know someone's gonna ask it. What is a weeb? A weeb is the is the short term of the term weebu, which basically yeah. just means like someone who's just really like obsessed with Japanese culture and wants to be Japanese. I guess is the the, the, the definition I've heard a lot, yeah. um, which honestly is not the case for a lot of people. And I don't think I think it's based on a lot of misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, there are of course examples of people who do share a bit of an obsession with this kind of stuff in not the healthiest way, but it's not representative of the entire community. But it's gotten colloquialized so much so that it just kind of like whenever I hear the word, I stopped caring about whether or not that was the word people were calling me. And I was yeah. like, ah, it's whatever. So now I relate to all those people who, you know, were in anime club who got, who may have gotten made fun of, not by myself, but like it was, it was a thing that people would do. And honestly, I appreciate that culture. I appreciate their culture. Yeah. I mean, like anything, those guys were, those guys had it right. Cause <laughs> looking back at it, I was like, yeah, this was awesome. What the heck? Why would, what I was missing out on it the whole time. Yeah. I mean, anything can get twisted out of out of control, like thrown out of proportion. But one of the things I really appreciated about anime was just it's a different. Yeah, you're experiencing a different culture through through TV, through um, a show. And. I mean, what did we have on TV back when YTV was still a thing? It was like what? SpongeBob? Um, I Carly. No, that was, like, that was like Family Channel, I think. But like, yeah. like those shows so for those of us in our, gener- in our generation that just like happen to like remember those things as classic i look back on them and i'm like these have not aged as well as i thought like carly's cringy as hell oh my god it was like the, the screen size was like 480p yeah or something and it was the quality like the, like the quality was like 480p and then you look at it now on like the big screens and everything is all shrunken in unless you get the hd versions of things and i'm like what the heck yeah. happened <laughs> 
makes and you then, makes you think think how much things have changed in the last eight o'clock nine o'clock yeah. would hit all of a sudden it's all of the anime and yes. it was, some of them were dark as hell like bleach i i didn't stay up late enough when i was really really young like when i first started watching it like anime i wasn't actually like really into uh staying up late because of course my mom had a curfew so i was like bleach fine was and it was always when bleach came on i had to get off like you just knew uh, when bleach is on all right time to go Bleach has not aged well, but it was one of those shows that I hold special, like dearly in my heart mm-hmm. because me and all of the other people like I knew at the time would just pick up a stick, pretend we were <laughs> pretend we were anime people and just like whack each other with it. The culture made me way made its way into the playground on sorry in elementary school. That was what we did when we were like you know in the field running around and stuff. That was what I had in my mind, you know? Yeah. Do I know all the Naruto hand signs? Maybe. I'm not going to admit it on a podcast. But... <laughs> and it was okay back then. It was once yeah. you got like a little bit older, then that's when people started like harping on you for it. If you did anything like that. So you eventually just had like the inclination of, I need to get away from this piece of culture. Get away from, get away from me. I don't want to get tagged as that guy. Uh, that might be a difference in like how we grew up because it just got intensified the older I got. Like once, once the people I knew started getting jobs, Oh man, we spent so much money on like anime merchandise. Yu-Gi-Oh is still a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is not not something I continued with. But but see, there's an easy slope to fall into, though. Let's yeah. let's make that distinction because okay, we're Catholics. We have yes. a lot of spiritual background and a lot of the things that we do. And when we're watching this these these like, anime, for example, it's it's looking into the Japanese style of culture. So you see like the world from their perspective in a lot of things. Um, and there's a lot of Shinto, like Shinto style um, yeah. references, like their faith system, uh, lifestyle, lifestyle faith system. Yeah. Um, so it's like, Buddhism, like has a yeah. bit of an influence in a lot of different shows, but then all of a sudden you're going to see so much art and so many pieces of work where you'll see Christian imagery. Yeah. Like a random nun sprinkled in. Yeah, nuns. I don't know what, I don't know what what's going on with nuns, but like, why are they a thing in in like a subculture? Speaking of fan service, for whatever reason, Catholic nuns always get fan serviced in anime. Almost it's always. Just, it, it it's it's eerie and, yeah. and very unsettling, and I'm just like, is nothing sacred anymore? Though, okay, not to justify fan servicing, like religious figures but christianity in japan is an interesting kind of phenomenon um very much so and not in the way that you'd see in like from my from what i've seen like what you'd see in like korea korea is very christianized in a lot of different ways in japan it's different and part of it is the history of christianity in japan of course like oh my gosh talking about persecution of christians Mm -hmm. at any point in history it was a special kind of persecution in japan if you've um, seen the movie Silence by uh, Martin Scorsese, for anyone who look at that movie, it's on Amazon Prime. Watch it. Yeah. Um, it kind of gives a bit of an image on what what it was like for you know Jesuit missionaries going over, um, and kind of again talks a little bit of evangelization and and how it's done. Um, really, really good movie. Definitely recommend that. Um, for anyone who has not seen it, Silence has um, uh, Adam Driver in it. Adam Driver's in it. As well, Adam and Garfield. also the Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. No, Adam Driver. No, Andrew no, Garfield Adam and Adam Driver. Driver. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the two leads. They do a fantastic job. I absolutely love them in that movie. Yeah. Um, I heard it almost converted Andrew Garfield to Christianity. Almost. Yeah. I saw an interview. Yeah. He's like this close, and I'm just like, 
how many religious movies and our TV shows have reconverted people? Yeah. Or converted people like, um, well, I'm not going to talk about like the chosen because, you know, Jonathan Rumi was already very Catholic at that point, yeah. but like Jim Caviezel, mm-hmm. I think being struck by lightning definitely helps him with that. But like people who have entered into the faith and actually like lived it have seen this like, and have been converted because of it. Yeah. Not everybody, of course, but when you live that kind of life, you begin to understand what it's like to be that person, be, yeah. you know, believe those things and you know, whatnot. So when I watch like anime and I'm seeing all those like shrine visits, like every single anime I watch, there's that one shrine visit that always happens. Yeah. Like, oh, I get an idea and I get like a look into the culture and whatnot. And what people value, especially when they go on like soliloquies, like characters, like soliloquies and like monologues about, you know, how they're feeling internally. Like in those, in these kind of shows, they talk a lot about that. Yeah. Even in the fans, every single one, you'll have those one, that one moment where the character gets serious and you're just like, huh. I don't see this in Western media very often where they have that self-reflection on this kind of level. Yeah. Soliloquies are not a thing anymore, which we kind of need to bring back because I love it. But yeah. So when you see that in like anime, for example, um, it hits different. Yeah. Um, so I, that's what kind of latched me into the call into, into it. Like watching a lot of these is the serious ones, the wholesome ones Like they have, there's just so much variety and a lot of what you'd be looking for. So when we say like, yeah, there are some you should probably avoid if you're a Catholic because it's raunchy as all get out. Um, yeah. Avoid those. You can still, it's, it's like any media, like how many movies nowadays, how many shows have you watched in your lifetime that if you had your grandmother watch them would be just hands in her face, like shocked. And people can call you a prude, but like, as much as I enjoyed the show, Game of Thrones was a bit, it was a bit raunchy. Does your and, priest I mean, watch Game point. of Thrones is the question. If your yeah. answer is yes, you need to ask him why. Yeah. And usually the answer is like, well, it's a good story until you get to the last season. But like. Last few seasons, but. Yeah. Last few se- okay. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I just kind of heard yeah. a lot of stuff, but yeah. No, it's the big question of like, all right. Our society, our culture, our media, and our art is getting increasingly, I'm not even going to say raunchy, it's increasingly sexualized. It's, it's such a shift of perspective and like artistic belief that a lot of the things we see on TV, on like in music, for example, are just not things that can jive with Catholic faith. Relativism. Yeah. And actually, we see that a lot in anime, right? Where... A lot of the um, like most impactful moments in an anime are when the main character stands up for a personal belief. Um, and it's it's explicit in some places. Uh, can't think off the top of my head, but. Because like, OK, the question we were talking about was good. I'm so sorry, because you're going to have to figure out how to pick that back up. But um, the question we're talking about is as Catholics, how can we appreciate parts of the culture that are. Um, just incongruent with the faith things that are um, overtly sexual permissive of like um, well the destruction of traditional values oh and modeling religion as an evil thing especially in jrpgs how many times have you killed the pope mike uh pope not very often how many times have i killed god uh a a lot (laughs) final fantasy 10 is just catholic guilt as a game I enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> but I never got into that. 
I mean, okay, reflecting on anime and Christianity in like Japanese, the Japanese zeitgeist. It's weird how, I mean, we see it in the West also, but how um, religion because becomes a shackle to the end indiv- always the individual. Um, it's something that restricts freedom. It's something that's oppressive. There's always like a monster in the background controlling the strings or pulling the strings. And it's something you always have to overcome, like violently, violently overcome. And I think part of it is just, well, a misunderstanding of what the church teaches. Hmm. And this is kind of where I got sidetracked trying to think this through because there's a lot of history to go through. And we can't like pin down one specific thing that church does. Yeah. That, yeah, sure. It, 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 it definitely has in its history done some, well, not so great things. And we know that all the popes are not perfect. In fact, every single one has been from the very beginning flawed at their core in a lot of different ways and probably not fitting for the job, but fit for the job specifically for that reason. Yeah. It's that weird aspect of being chosen. Yeah. We weren't chosen because we were fit because we have something that the Lord needs to make use of in a way, but also we see, he sees our potential at its fullest. So pulling us out of, let's say pulling us out of where we are and moving us to a moving us to a position that we never thought we'd be, we'd be fit for. Mm-hmm. There it is. I found my point. Okay. Um, though building on what you were saying, um, how do we enjoy something that seems like it's not very Catholic basically? Um, well, part of it is just giving everything the benefit of the doubt. I mean, how many people actually just try and produce something for shock? Okay, these days, a lot of people. But um, how much of the shows that we enjoy are trying are trying to um, like push a message, like a good message? A lot of the media is still trying to search for goodness in the world. Um, all of all of the JRPGs are really just about well, community, friendship. And trying to overcome a boundary. Um, so I think one of the ways we can enjoy culture is just trying to find the thing that we agree with in in whatever we're watching. To a point, like um, the Game of Thrones Game of Thrones example. If you have a porn addic- porn addiction, probably not the best thing to be watching. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Frad makes that point, I think. But something like the JRPGs, right? The church just becomes the, um, a metaphor for slavery, but it's trying to overcome slavery. Like all of these games are trying to overcome slavery, which is kind of a Christian point. Like, yes, it gets re- um, mischaracterized, but fundamentally it's not being shackled by what society is telling you to do. It's heavily symbolic, but also not heavily symbolic. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because, OK, um, case in point, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm-hmm. lots of Christian imagery. In fact, lots of other anime, like besides it, even after it, like so much, they use cross imagery a lot, especially ones that are shaped specifically like the cross of Jesus. Yeah. And when prompted for, if it has any spiritual significance or like just any kind of symbolism whatsoever, it's like, Oh no, it just looks cool. What do you mean? <laughs> okay. I guess, you know, Jesus didn't copyright the cross of all things, but like it's, it's so overtly used in a lot of ways. Yeah. It just seems like, mm, 
maybe this is just me getting like bitter about it, but like, I don't know. It's I an just interesting feel like reflection because yeah. on the one hand, I also get a little salty when Christian imagery gets misused and misappropriated. Like St. Peter's cross. We need to take that back. Yes. The upside down cross has become this weird occult thing, but it's a very Christian image. I think we should bring it back. That's a discussion we get in. We can get into later, but even like you said, um, the cross gets used just kind of as this cool image. Um, and this is, this is kind of me projecting a little bit and maybe taking it a little bit too far, but what about the cross is so attractive to, um, to someone who has no concept of like the cultural, religious, historical significance behind it? Um, and it kind of ties back into our discussion on fountain pens, right? What was it that attracted fountain pens to us initially? Nine times out of ten, it's something superficial. Like, oh, it looks cool. It's pointy. It's shaped like a sword. It's shaped like a sword. Um, uh, wax seals. Oh, that's neat. Um, Nobody else is using this. It makes me feel so hipster. Honestly, hipster, it demarcates you as, like, part of a group. Um, the The symbol just becomes a useful way of projecting meaning onto and like even that is kind of very catholic like it's something tangible that points us to um a supernatural reality flipping the see flipping the like the the table on like the general understanding of something yeah is a very christian thing which is why a lot of christian ideas don't make sense a lot of Christian traditions don't make sense to people in the aspect of it's, if we're talking about, of course, it's like the church trinity, it's kind of beyond our understanding. Um, it's yeah. for the reason if we're dealing with God's domain of things, but like those are the kind of things that define Christianity was being different. And yeah, holy means being set apart. So, <laughs> but now it's that, that, that meaning has been lost, I think in the word. Um, uh, and even when like, okay. Um, the meaning is lost, especially if there's no historical context being used. So it becomes this hollow shell to just kind of implant maybe your own personal belief on what, what it should be like, or maybe your own personal creative take, which isn't always necessarily bad. Um, say, for example, I haven't seen this one, but I've heard there's an anime about like Buddha and Jesus being roommates. <laughs> yeah, I've seen clips and I'm pretty sure it's blasphemy, but the one scene <laughs> I watched... <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh because it was so ridiculous. So, okay, uh, Buddha no. and Jesus are in a sauna. There's a Yakuza guy in the sauna with them, and Jesus and the Yakuza guy are just having a friendly conversation. Buddha's freaking out because he knows this man's a gangster, but Jesus, completely oblivious. And their discussion was so funny. Because um, Jesus was telling him, like, oh, yeah, my... My father broke me out of Golgotha after three days. Gangster's like, what? I didn't know you were the son of a crime boss. <laughs> I'm so sorry for disrespecting you. I'm like, huh, is this what we look like to non-Christians? Zero know. context, yeah. I don't know. And okay, well, even in some cases, there's like other shows that have done like different Christian themes, like even like legit Christian themes, because there's this one show, Gabriel Dropout. It's like a... It's like a Moe, Moe style, like, you know, cute girls do cute things anime. It's talking about angels and literally angels and demons. And what they do is 
and they flip the t- they flip the, the the roles where like all the demons are just like too good at being nice or like oblivious or naive in like a positive way and like secretly they're all just like really good so they're just bad at their jobs and then the angels are also equivalently bad at their jobs because one ends up just becoming a shut-in who just plays rpgs all day obsessed with video games and spending money on just that and one just likes toying with people especially the evil people like, like if the like an angel tries to like mess the demon for fun because it's sadistic and it's fun that would be that would be the other character who does that and i'm just like i find this is it's funny like i enjoyed it because i was like oh this is a subversion of expectations oh this is nice yeah. but they get a lot of things it's weird like the lines between heaven and and hell are just like yeah. oh it's to border hey okay i'm going this way okay i'll see you elsewhere and you can just yeah. cross those lines like nothing and i'm like what theologically that makes no sense but it's a creative expression or something so what which can is you why do? i find art fascinating because like if one person is thinking like that, you can bet that there are a lot of people who hold a similar belief and anime becomes an easy way for us to talk about ideas, even if it's kind of problematic um, and weirdly overtly sexual. But uh, yeah, um, like another so way we can enjoy the things that are of the world, so to speak, is just it's a point of dialogue. Um, yeah. Game of Thrones point of dialogue, the amount of like discussions that turn into morality when we're talking about Game of Thrones. Um, like it's an easy way of bringing up these questions because you have characters that you can kind of play around with that you can't really do with real people because that's immoral and wrong. Um, but talking about the morality of like um, Tyrion Lannister, is he a good character? That's fascinating. Um, and with anime, like one of the um, one of the big series that got me into anime way back in the day was Full Metal Alchemist. A the first that's the gateway for anyone. Yeah, watch that show. It's also on Netflix. Very, very good. Very Christian, like over Christian, Christian in a lot of way. Yeah, yeah. Like they fight the seven deadly sins because and science being and like science. being like, how far can you go with science before it becomes immoral? Yeah, and how far are you willing to go to get what you want? And like media and art becomes this way of working through ideas in a way that we can't really do in regular discussion. Because, well, discussions like this, it's there are limitations to it. Um, but throw music and color and art into a discussion, and it takes on a like a life of its own. Like the amount of um, we could probably spend an entire podcast just talking about Full Metal Alchemist and how that might happen at some point. Maybe. Yeah, Winry Rockbell is in fact best girl. In all of history. Undoubtedly, my guy. Um, and she's such a fascinating character because, like, talking about subversion, she is strong and powerful, but not in the way that the show portrays strength and power to be. She's not an alchemist. She's not part of the military. But she is, like, in a very literal way, supporting Ed and L on their journey, like, mm-hmm. as a mechanic. And Quite literally. Literally yeah. putting them back together. Oh, they're so cute at the end, but oh, spoilers, my bad. But again, I'll cut that one up. Craig, we got this, Craig, Craig. Craig. Yeah, magic. But like, okay, so with that said, how is it, how can we relate this back to how Catholics do things? Yes. And when can we say that something is okay? Um, and the big thing that comes up for me, and I more recently kind of come to this understanding and how the church works, um, traditionally as well as like 
how we should even just now, how we reconcile a lot of the things that we do. Catholic feast days, when we celebrate things, this is the Lord's Supper. We go to Mass to celebrate these things. And then Catholics, of course, afterwards can you know feast on their own. There, there's this thing in Romans where Romans, Romans, Acts, I forget which, which, which letter it was. Wow, bad Catholic, I'm forgetting now. But where, um, where Paul is admonishing the Christians, I think, it was, I think it's in Rome, um, who would eat before going to the Lord's Supper or Mass in this case. Um, they'd eat beforehand. And it's like, but they eat and they, in the place they were gathering, like casually. And it was kind of like, whoa, what are you doing? Like that kind of thing. Um, but that doesn't mean that like in a lot of cases, you'll see even just like there were celebrations held. There were feasts held. Why do you think we have such a big thing with weddings being so like crazy with like celebrating stuff? Because there are times for celebration and for revelry in this way, in you know, respectable ways. There are limits to these things, of course. Um, and there are times for when things are sacred and we need to, to take a time to breathe. Um, yeah. And so I guess the Catholic way of understanding this is um, we have certain times for this and we have our day of rest for a reason. Um, in the world today, it's a little more difficult to find that time. So the question becomes now, does this apply for like when Catholics go partying and stuff? Like, how does this work? Yeah. And it's an interesting question because like we're called to pray always, pray at all times. But how do you do that when you're at a party? There's a beer in your hand. You're talking to some random that you met maybe five minutes ago. You're talking about something completely random, like, I don't know. Fountain pens. Fountain pens. Yes. Um, have we done that over a pint? Probably. Yes, we have. You probably have. But part of it is just, I mean, you're formed by your faith. like. Well, ideally, you're formed by your faith. It's not just this thing that you do on a Sunday and put in a box and you don't touch that box for the rest of the week. Um, like, it's something that permeates your your life. Um, and it is, yeah. It is in its way a worldview. Yeah. And a worldview is how we, how we look at things, how we interpret things, what's our perspective on it. Um, and there's, there's that like, bit of like wiggle room for that personal spirituality that doesn't need to just be like oh if you don't do everything the same way of course we're going to get you know pissy and oppressive about it like that's that's not how it works and it's exhausting talking like that and a lot of the saints are perfect are perfect examples of this and i i I mean mean, ironically perfect um because how each saint deals with their with their spiritual issues um, is an interesting battle is an interesting, like, um, way of, of kind of juxtaposing themes, um, and how they do things personally. And there's that level of like, Oh, that's cool. Mm. Like, it's not like we're so strict on the specific things like, Oh, what you can eat and stuff. Like, even Paul talked about this in his letters. Like, you know, we don't restrict what you can eat and whatnot, all this stuff. Cause God has made these things good and good to, for, for us to have. Yeah. Um, same we have, like when we make stuff like, you know, beer is, you know, fine delicious but in moderation yeah and (laughs) if the pope can have his fanta i think it's it's, i think it's fine for people to kind of have like that you know that one weak spot for like shortcake or something like that yeah so this would intrinsically also apply to 
not just things we eat, but things that we do. Yes. Intention is important. As we mentioned before, intention is important. So when we talk about anime, media, like whatever, we're, we're, this is the frame we're using, but like this can apply to just about anything. We need to frame it in the worldview of Christ and in the church itself and the magisterium, how we've been taught. There is so much literature out there that I don't think any Catholic is going to be able to get through all of it and fully comprehend everything to its to a T. Um, there's a lot of that personal personal spirituality that comes into how people have been able to interpret things with the eye of the church still kind of being like in view with mm-hmm. the idea of how we frame things. So yeah, that's this is an issue. What I'm saying really is this is an interesting platform, an interesting like community to be a part of as like anime fans or fountain pen users or whatever community or like group we're a part of where we can then frame that hobby with Christ at the center. Yeah. Like you can have the Christ, the Christ, you can have Christ <laughs> at the center of your life while you're playing Genshin Impact. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have Christ at the center of your life when you're getting into nerdy talks about Full Metal Alchemist or. Or if you've gone off, if, you, if you're popping off in your game of like Warzone or something like that, <laughs> and you you manage to to crush a full team and you, you celebrate just a, little, just a little bit, just a little bit, not not to not to go overboard like that kind of stuff is fine. And in some way, it's like it's a part of the idea of like when you're with people, community. Yeah friendship and how to kind of live charitably in that way um <laughs> have you ever caught yourself while you're gaming just getting a little bit too salty and you think mm, i have to dial it back a little bit mm. me playing me playing rocket league every yeah. single time i need to rein in that my, my mouth because it goes it goes like oh i'm so yeah. trash at rocket league like it's, it's a great yeah. play, it's a great game to play if you want to learn humility yeah yeah <laughs> I guess I get destroyed so many times and yeah. it just, it gets to me after a while because the community can be toxic. And then when they, when they get to you, that's your cue to be like, Holy just spirit, get me out of here. here. And you back off and you take a break. Yeah. You don't let that stuff feed you and egg you on because that is the worst thing. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. on <laughs> I'm like that with fighting games. But now I play it. I'm like, I'm able to just like chill while I'm doing it and just enjoy it for what it is. I still get tilted at times because of course there's always that one guy who just ends up BMing you for just mm-hmm. like playing the game. And you just think to yourself, hmm, I wish the worst upon you. But in a Catholic way, hmm. The, the worst, no. And you, you change it from the worst to the best. <laughs> Gotta be with you, my guy. That's, that's what I say. And be on my way. Bless this man with so many opportunities to love you. Give him so many crosses, Lord. That he might love you in a greater and more profound way, Lord. Please, please. Amen. That, my friends, is not how you pray. So you've heard it from us. You've heard our, our, our greatest personal hobby confessions for today. And how we've been able to kind of reconcile it in a way. Through our own personal spirituality, of course. Um, and through our, the examples we've seen in the church and how things work. Again, we are the, theologians, so... Whether or not we've completely stepped over our boundaries, we'll find in our Twitter feed at some point or another. Yeah. Please reach out to us. Please reach out to us and kind of give us your thoughts on what you think about the episode, um, what you think about these topics and whatnot. And let's get the discussion going. Yeah. Um, 
maybe you know somebody who happens to like anime or found men's or anything like that. We would love to meet them because, Hey, we can have discussions about this stuff, but the Lord above all things in this way is where we can kind of meet that, meet that hole in our hearts. Oh, here's a fun question we can ask then. Like what was your gateway anime and what is your favorite depiction of the faith in an anime? Yes. 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 I think for like, if I had to answer that question on the spot, I think it might be like, I was thinking about this today. The greatest Catholic interpretation, not interpretation, but the greatest portrayal of Catholics in all of anime has to be from Sakamichi no Apollon. I was going to say the same thing. Yes. Um, Sakamichi no Apollon basically means uh, just kids on a slope. Yeah. Um, It's a, I don't know what you call it. It's like, I think it's like this. Slice of, slice of life anime kind of talks about um it's in the, like based in like it looks like the 60s 70s yeah um about two two characters and they they kind of meet together and bond over jazz music so good and like there is there is one we're not gonna i'm not gonna spoil it but there is there is a couple scenes that depict um catholics from like we're talking like 60s 70s i'm not sure if this is pre or post vatican too um but post okay so just post it it just you see it and it just like that's actual is that church that's actual that's actual church do i see veils like that level of stuff where i'm just like yes the first time in anime i've ever seen it portrayed in such a clear and um just just authentic way um again it's very very minor you won't see it for very long but it it has some themes you'll see it throughout if you watch it i highly recommend it uh for those of you who have access to it um they talk about the rosary in one scene they do the the rosary oh yes they do yeah yeah yeah, yeah, they do but uh we'll leave you guys to kind of watch that if you're interested because it's one of the one one shows that i've seen that actually does catholicism justice in a positive way yeah also vatican ii Mm, i take it back that was in the 60s I think I it's know. like probably maybe just after Vatican yeah. II. It, yeah. it just the set of the time period feels a very sixties, seventies ish. Maybe I'm thinking sixties. Yeah. So about the time. Yeah. Uh, the council. So there's that to keep in mind as well. Watch the show. Start the discussion. Show. Start the discussion. Can we yeah. can we be Catholics and engage in waifu wars? That's the second question of the day. Yeah. We'll have an in-depth in-depth debate at some point or other uh, about it. We'll find a theologian and debate them. It'll be a good time. Yes. So, do we... So, if we're talking about, like, kind of, like, how art can portray things in new ways... Yes. What about Catholic art in the anime style? Is that acceptable? I've I've asked a seminarian before, and his personal taste says no. So for context, we're talking about an icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, but in a Moe style. Is that okay? And I'm sure a lot of people who are going to look at us and be like, of course not. This is no. Problem is, art at the time, I guess in any period, can again be moved and perverted in a way and whatnot. So it's like, okay. And this is authentic too. This is this is this is our lady of perpetual help, hundred percent. There is no no doubt about that. You can look it up. This is just look, look it up. Look it up online, and it just it's something. I mean, you only there's very few of these things out there. 
but it's actually a discussion I'd, I'd love to have with, with, with a theologian or just like someone from the church. Like, what do you think of this? Is this okay? Is this not okay? Oh, well, we have an Instagram now. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So Perfect. something to consider. Um, because in today, we're talking about the post-postmodern world and how the world is being is changing. Not saying that the, the church kind of changes along with it, but just as in the Renaissance, the style of art changed quite a bit. Uh, and how we depict icons of like Mary and Jesus um, and like the, and the saints. When do we stop becoming um, classicists in the way of like, where we venerate the art of like, this is better because it's Old. from this time period, older or more authentic or um, more care was put into it, but now in a new style. And there's something to be said about that in kind of the talk about like post-Vatican II uh, changes in church, like architecture and music and that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of like talk about that. Um, if it's, if it's something that people are interested in, we can definitely bring the discussion up. And if it gets to a certain point, I'd love to, to sit down, maybe have a chat about that um, a little more in detail. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we are a little bit, uh, a little bit over time. So for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely kind of, um, Let's wrap it up then, Mike. Let's uh, let's kind of see where we're, uh, where we're at now. So we've we've talked about lots of interesting things tonight. Um, fountain pens, fountain pens, anime, media, and how it in, I guess informs our worldview and how we need to frame how we look at things um, at all times and all ways that uh, the faith should really form us. Um, and also. Uh, talking about uh, what's acceptable, what's unacceptable and um, where there's that room for shift for, um, for that personal expression yeah. such that it's not like overtly blasphemous or against the church. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's mostly everything from us, but there's been something I've really wanted to talk about to kind of like lay out potentially yeah. if we ever do any references in the future to things, people will kind of know, Oh, they're referring to probably something that is semi related to, uh, our hobbies in this way or whatever um and also people now understand when we talk about fountain pens that yeah we're, we're nerds and we like this stuff but that's it for us for today thank you all for tuning in this has been cultural confessions i has been i have been i has been i has been oh no <laughs> it's that time of <laughs> night i have been joel i have been mike yes um and we'll see you next time uh do follow us on um, on all those platforms that we're on, that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Um, iTunes is just being verified now, so we should be should go by the time this comes out. You'll see it uh, as available um, for all of our friends who are listening on Apple devices. Yeah, and also, um, also for uh, social media, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. Um, do hit us up on that. Send some tweets. Let us know. Um, get us involved in your conversations. What are things that you'd like us to talk about? What are things that we can kind of give, I guess, our postmodern view on that maybe might shed some light or maybe even have discussions with um, potential guests? If any of you happen to know the our favorite friends over at Clerically Speaking, please do let us know because I would love to have them on here to have a discussion. We need to talk about anime culture, please. We'll make it work one of these days. I'm not sure. I'll see if both of them are up for that, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's it for us. Um, you guys have a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, morning, day, evening, night, whatever time you're listening to this. 
and uh, and we'll see you all next time. God bless. Bye.